You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll discuss the rollout of coronavirus vaccines in some of the places with the worst outbreaks, long-term care facilities like nursing homes. The pipeline, getting the vaccine to the facilities, that's all going to happen. I think the, the supply is going to get ramped up and we're not going to have issues with the vaccine you know, being available. It's just a matter of getting people to realize that it's worthwhile taking and that they're not putting their life at risk doing so. And it's, and it's very important. I mean, it's really at this point, it's our only way out, out of this pandemic. So it's crucial that people take this vaccine when it's offered. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. Civic is underwritten in part by the San Francisco Foundation, which has been acting as a catalyst for change to build strong communities, foster civic leadership, and promote philanthropy in the San Francisco Bay Area since 1948. More at sff.org. Healthcare workers are at the front of the line for the 2 million or so vaccine doses California expects to distribute by the end of this year. But right up there with them are residents of nursing homes and other long-term care facilities. These kinds of facilities have seen deadly outbreaks. Earlier this year, the California Healthcare Foundation studied outbreaks in nursing homes. In May, around a quarter of nursing homes had a resident with a coronavirus infection, and at around 16% of them, at least one resident had died from the virus. By August, those numbers had spiked. 66% of the facilities studied had at least one case, and at least one resident had died of COVID-19 in 37% of facilities. Now, vaccines are arriving in California, and while the first people to get it are frontline healthcare workers, doses are going to be administered at nursing homes soon. And the way that's going to happen is through pharmacy chains you're probably familiar with, CVS and Walgreens. I learned about that from Eric Dowdy. He's Chief Government Affairs Officer at Leading Age California, which represents mostly nonprofit senior care facilities, including skilled nursing, assisted living, and senior living communities. Can you describe this partnership between, as I understand it, the federal government and two major pharmacy chains that are going to be delivering this vaccine to senior facilities? Who are the different parties here and how is this going to work? Yeah, so this is the uh, pharmacy partnership program with uh, both CVS and Walgreens, and it's being um, administered by the federal government um, and partnering with the uh, long-term care facilities, congregate living facilities, and assisted living facilities across the state. So we have um, most of the state's nursing homes are enrolled, uh, with the exception of L.A. County. And how it'll work um, is that the pharmacy is going to be, the pharmacy program is going to be um, receiving vaccine doses directly from um, the manufacturer. And it's a part of the overall state's allotment. And they're going to be administered to both staff and residents in uh, senior living and nursing home facilities. And is this going to be, you know, people from these pharmacies show up every day and like are roaming bands of vaccinators or is it like a tent outside where people line up? Is it like how how is this going to specifically happen on these various sites? Yeah, we're actually working through the details now, but there's going to be three clinics um, per site 
And we're working through the details on how best to come into the nursing homes in particular, because as you know, those populations uh, are generally people that are bed bound. They're not very mobile. So it's not like they can really easily get up and walk out to the parking lot and go to a tent and get Mm -hmm. a a shot there. So uh, what we're hearing in many cases is the uh, pharmacy is going to bring in um, you know, vaccinators, and they'll go room to room um, and give the uh, vaccine to, to patients. And then the facility staff will be on hand to monitor any um, reactions they might have to the vaccine. So there'll be a three visit. Um, they're going to first get the first round done to as many uh, staff and residents as possible. The second will be the booster shot. And then the third visit will be to kind of um, you know, get anyone who missed out there on their booster on the second round. I have so many questions about this, but let's start with how this partnership was formed. And how did we end up with this being the plan out of all the many different permutations or many different ways that it could have gone? Yeah, so this was actually out of um, the federal government's Operation Warp Speed program, um, and it was set up as a way to take advantage of the existing infrastructure that pharmacies have across the country um, that are in many more locations than, you know, hospitals or other healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. So the, pre- the plan, uh, the program was uh, developed um, basically, like I mentioned, to keep the, the um, vaccine administration as close as possible to the population uh, that it will serve. Um, and they chose, I'm not sure exactly how CVS and Walgreens were chosen, but they are the largest uh, pharmacies in the country. But And right now that they are the only option right now that I know there are some um, thoughts to get smaller pharmacies involved and even long-term care pharmacies as well that already work with nursing homes. Okay. So my big question about what you said earlier is why not in LA County? To my knowledge, LA County is a place with a huge concentration of senior living facilities and nursing homes. So what happened there? Yeah, they do have a a large population. Um, from what I'm hearing is that LA County wanted to have more control on how the dosing happened in nursing homes in particular. So they, um, there was a big, very big concern about staggering the doses. So the, the concern there is having um, all of your staff receive the vaccination at once and um, any adverse reaction that might keep someone home is going to really impact staffing in a particular right. facility. And as you know, staffing is already strained right now, um, both in the hospital setting and then also in long-term care facilities. So um, LA County is doing this as a way to um, kind of better administer kind of delayed doses so they can stagger it. Um, And then I think there also is an element of just making sure the communication with the numerous facilities in that area is where it needs to be, Um, you know, the pharmacy program is a large, large, um, I would hate to use the word bureaucracy, but they do have their own uh, set of criteria. Um, but they're, they're, they're wanting to keep the communication with the facilities as clean as possible. And I think that's why they opted out. Then what is the role of local governments and local health departments in this rollout in places where this system is the system that's going to be used? I mean, we've got the federal government or we've got Operation Warp Speed and we've got these pharmacies. And then I'm assuming there's a link up with all the local long term care facilities. 
does say San Francisco's Department of Public Health have a role in coordinating this? Um, does do is there a difference between county level involvement and municipal government involvement? Yeah, actually, the, so it's mainly county level, but you know, San Francisco has a lot of city county um, overlap. Um, the county is going to be the administration, um, for the vaccines for the acute care settings. And when I should probably should clarify the pharmacy partnership program is just for the long-term care congregate living settings for seniors. So your local, uh, county health department is still going to be administering those vaccines, um, for the, uh, hospitals in the area. Right. And does the municipal government or the, or the county have much influence over, vaccinations in long-term care facilities or is that are they sort of staying out of that um you know i have not heard of a lot of involvement in that although you know county health departments um have some certain rules that they they may try to implement i'm not i'm just not sure um the rollout has been pretty well kind of vetted with a lot of the stakeholders so I think we're going to see the process, although it will be very, I think, fragmented from the beginning. I think it'll be cleaner as more vaccine supplies get out there. But um, as far as the city's role, um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm the best person to comment on that. Yeah, I just I mean, the reason why I ask about this specific breakdown is because I'm sure that people are going to have questions about when and how their loved ones who live in long term care facilities are going to get vaccinated. And I'm sort of wondering, well, who do they go to? Who are the parties who are making this happen? Yeah, and that would be the the local health department. Um, so if you have questions and you're not living in a, um, a long-term care facility, the um, either your health care provider, so if you're you know, a Kaiser patient, Kaiser's I know is already putting out information. So you're going to want to pay attention to whatever health plan you're enrolled in. And then also the county health department as the last resort. Say if you're on Medi-Cal, um, they would be probably the best to point you to a clinic that might be popping up in your area. And I should say it's very tentative right now. We're still in the phase 1A of this. So we're looking at the healthcare professionals getting vaccinated and the residents in long-term care facilities. And actually tomorrow, the the vaccine uh, committee is meeting in California to talk about what does this next population look like with, you know, the over the 65, um, how do we roll out uh, vaccinations to those people? And that, that very hard to get to group that, you know, maybe not, maybe living out in a suburb somewhere. So how do we uh, best address that. So there's a lot of questions left to be answered. Yeah, I, that actually brings me to my next question. So we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, December 22nd. There's this meeting happening tomorrow. But going back more specifically to long-term care facilities and, and nursing homes, what's the timeline for getting, say, the majority of nursing home and senior living residents vaccinated and the majority of staff vaccinated in those facilities? Yeah, well, that is highly dependent on the vaccine supply. So with Mm. the authorization of the Moderna vaccine, it's going to help quite a bit. So we um, in California have about 2.1 million healthcare um, employees that we need to vaccinate. Um, And we're about to get, I believe, 2 million vaccines doses in California by the end of this month. So that total for everyone. Total, not just yeah. Sense. So that's mm-hmm. going to only get us halfway through the healthcare uh, professionals that we're trying to get done first. So I know that we had 110,000 uh, Moderna um, vaccines arrived 
on Monday in California. They're expecting about 672,000 more through the week. So I think we're ramping up quickly, um, but I'm thinking, you know, within a month or so, we should have the majority of the healthcare uh, workers done. And then we'll move on to the next tier, which would be the, um, you know, the more vulnerable populations. So are we seeing vaccinations beginning anytime in the next like week or so in senior living facilities and nursing homes? So we are having uh, reports of um, vaccinations occurring uh, directly with the counties. Um, some, I am not sure exactly how this is happening, but I think um, some of the rural counties are opting to use some of their allotments. Um, so there have been some, I know last Friday, it's going to start in earnest next week. Um, on the mm-hmm. 28th is what I hear. The majority of the clinics are being scheduled for. So I think we are um, just about to jump into kind of the the busiest point of this first round. I ask because, you know, nursing homes have seen some of the fastest, most difficult to contain and deadliest outbreaks of coronavirus. I think state data last week, last Thursday, showed more than 12,000 residents and staff in skilled nursing facilities and assisted living centers were sick with COVID-19. How is it being determined whether someone who has the virus or has had the virus gets a vaccine and when they get it? Yeah, we've actually talking specifically about senior living facilities and long term care. We've asked that question, and um, they're advising that everyone get the vaccine, regardless of whether they've had it or not, um, Mm. just because it will be available and they're not sure how long your natural immune response is going to um, be in place. So Mm. we are giving it to everyone. So it includes not only, um, you know, care staff and residents, but also the maintenance staff, uh, food service. Um, janitorial, everyone who might come in contact with a resident. And how often are people in these facilities being tested right now, residents and staff? So right now, it it depends on the setting and the level of outbreak in the community. Um, So they're doing about 25% every week of the population just for surveillance testing. Um, And that obviously ramps up if there is a a positive um, case in in the community. And if you test positive uh, or if you've had it recently, that does not affect whether or not you are going to be on the list of people who's going to get a vaccine if you live in a facility like this or you work there. Right. Yeah. The only thing that might impact it is if you have a a known um, uh, allergy to something in the vaccine itself um, that you have a history of, you know, anaphylaxis and it's major anaphylaxis, not just that you get kind of a tingling in your fingers or something. It's, um, they're being very clear that the uh, vaccine has been very safe and, and the minor, um, you know, adverse reactions that we're hearing, um, are pretty common, but those that are, you know, the most, um, the things we heard about in Alaska and also in the UK where there was just this tremendous response. It turns out a lot of those people had already a history of, um, you know, responses to that level with other vaccines. So it's something that you need to be very careful of. And if you do have, you know, that kind of history, you, you want to make sure that that is um, known before the, the administration of the shot. I do want to talk more about concerns that people might have about adverse reactions, but talking about timing a little bit more, 
I've been hearing from a person who has a loved one in a local nursing home who's getting updates from inside the nursing home about day by day more cases popping up and they're reaching farther and farther across the facilities. And these families are, you know, understandably totally gripped by dread that this outbreak will not be contained and will move closer and closer to their loved ones. And this person was telling me it seems like it would make the most sense to accelerate delivery of the vaccine to facilities with active outbreaks. Does that make sense to you? And could it be done? That makes perfect sense. And I think, yes, it could be. You know, the state is tracking all the outbreaks um, very closely. So I think that would be a a good recommendation to make, um, you know, going into this first week. I don't know if that's actually happening or not, um, but it makes sense. Definitely. What like who decides that? So the, um, the actual decision is made by the you know, State um, Department of Public Health, and um, they have various advisory bodies. There is the Vaccine um, Advisory Committee. It's made up of the kind of the more clinical side of things. And they also have a community vaccine committee who talks kind of like more broadly about how the vaccine should be administered, um, kind of more forward looking. Um, but the department's relying very heavily on its vaccine committee of clinicians. So those would be the folks that are, are most in control of where it goes. We'll get back to this conversation with Eric Dowdy in just a moment. You've been listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. You're listening to KSFPLP San Francisco 102.5 FM. The San Francisco Public Press needs to raise $40,000 by the end of this year so we can continue producing independent local news online, on the air, and in print. Thanks to the generosity of the foundation supporting the 2020 National News Match, donations we receive through December will be matched dollar for dollar. Your financial support makes our work possible. Double your impact during News Match by going to ksfp.fm slash donate. Let's hear more from Eric Dowdy with Leading Age California about the rollout of the coronavirus vaccine in nursing homes and other long-term care facilities. What about people who are not able to make their own decisions anymore, who um, who maybe are conserved, who have a conservator? It seems to me like in long-term care facilities, you would probably have established protocols for this. If those aren't working, you can't hunt down the person who normally would sign their consent forms. So how how is it going to happen? How do you do this? Yeah, so we're we're working through this right now with the um, CVS and Walgreens. They're going to allow verbal um, consent with, as long as there's a witness, and then also electronic consent. So if we can get an email um, that we can verify, mm. that might work. Worst case scenario, if there is no one that um, is around that can um, provide that type of consent, there are um, interdisciplinary teams within the nursing home that can make that decision. And I should note that the under the emergency use author, authorization, it's not required to have consent um, because there's not patients don't have the full understanding in general, like, you know, you or I of kind of what the effects are. So you can't really give consent to something that you're not completely clear, like what are, what are the outcomes? Um, So even in the best of of circumstances, we're all kind of, you know, moving into this. um, I wouldn't say blindly, but we have a lot of information that we still want to know. Um, So your, your ability to consent to what um, is coming 
um, is a little bit limited with this emergency use, use authorization. But everything we're hearing about this vaccine, it's been um, you know 95% effective, and all of the, um, the adverse reactions we're hearing are typical for any um, any vaccine that's given. So it's it's seems like it's very good. It's just, I think, I know people are worried about the numbers of the people under the clinical trials that were not very large numbers, um, you know, from prior history, but it still looks very positive from, uh, you know, the clinician's perspective. So let me make sure I'm understanding this right. It's not necessarily required to get consent, but the administrators of the vaccine are doing so anyway? Yeah, and I think it's it's more of a CVS Walgreens requirement than anything. It's not a uh-huh. federal government, um, but the there are some requirements on facilities um, that, and also um, you know it's just good legal pr- uh, protections for the pharmacies to go through this process. But mm-hmm. um, the from the federal government emergency use authorization perspective, I've been told that it's not a requirement, but there also are, you know, just general in California, there's requirements for informed consent on really anything that's administered to anyone in a nursing home. And then also under the, um, the federal government's, um, it's called the state operations manual for nursing homes. There are some requirements about, you know, what you need to do is just as a requirement to participate in the Medicaid, Medicare program. So right. there's a, a, it's kind of a squishy area to be talking about in general, I'll admit. <laughs> um, but is one of those areas when you're talking about consent about, you know, whether it's really necessary. It's, it's kind of, um, it's, I, w- I would say it is necessary, but it's not, um, you know, completely required from all perspectives. So, so talking about getting that consent, let's talk about those fears of adverse side effects, adverse reactions. Um, are are there concerns that you're hearing? Let's start with from residents about actually getting this vaccine. So oddly enough, we are hearing residents are um, completely gung-ho and the staff are the ones that have the most um, hesitancy. Uh-huh. Um, so residents, I have not heard of any um, real complaints, but um, I do get the clips from some of my members that are circulating, you know, some of the propaganda, I will say, from, you know, conspiracy theorists that they're, you know, it's kind of being circulated among the, the caregiving staff. So we have a lot to do um, around education and kind of getting the real facts out there. So what we've been trying to do is really push the experts that are the official experts, CDC, FDA, uh, the California Western Advisory Committee for the vaccine. You know, that was the group of states that reviewed um, the efficacy of the vaccine. Um, and, and was completely in line with what the FDA found. So uh, ha- having the official word, I think, um, out there as much as we possibly can to minimize any of the, um, um, the propagandist, I guess, uh, would be very, is very helpful because <laughs> it does spread like wildfire. It's, you know, yeah. people share things very easily with the advent of social media and everything, um, you know, gets kind of turned on its head and reality is not... Um, completely adhered to at all times, I'd say. So here's something from the AP reporting on a nursing home in Florida. 
The home is not requiring its employees to get the vaccine, and only 80 of the 200 staffers in the skilled nursing facility volunteered for the first wave. Many of those declining the shot are African-American and don't trust it, given the nation's history of medical experimentation on Black people. Where do you, where does your organization, where do the um, stakeholders stand on requiring vaccination for staff? Yeah, so that is another very thorny issue. So the you can't require a staff person um, to take a, an, a vaccine under emergency use. Um, it's considered experimental still. Um, and even then, you can't require a staff person to even get the flu vaccine. They're, they could have a religious objection, um, um, you know, or other medical condition that wouldn't allow them to do that. So you have to take, um, you know, in non-COVID times, it would just mean that you'd have to wear a mask through flu season. Um, so, and we totally understand, you know, the hesitancy uh, or the lack of confidence, we're trying to say, in the, in the vaccine. Um, but I think as more and more people get it, the more we'll see that it's, um, you know, it's safe and effective. Um, but we understand that, you know, you don't really want to um, generate bad will with your staff by forcing them to get this vaccine that they have very real concerns about. So what we're recommending uh, to our members is open dialogue with um, staff members who might have a problem with the vaccine and really get experts um, in the room and have conversations and not just one conversation, multiple conversations about what this means and what it does so that, you know, when the vaccine does get there, and that's going to be relatively soon, um, that all the questions are answered and they feel like they can make an informed decision. But it is a very um, difficult issue, um, given our history with the Black population and um, the trials that were done on uh, with the Tuskegee Airmen. So I think that it's all very legitimate. I think that we just need to do the best we can to get the facts out there to make people comfortable with what they need to do. What are those facts that experts are offering in response to those concerns? I mean, when you say the concerns are legitimate, I mean, what do you say to respond to them? Both Moderna and Pfizer have shown 94 to 95% effectiveness. And we have now millions of doses being administered. And, you know, we're hearing very few adverse re reactions, um, given the amount of vaccine given. So just knowing that that our experience here in California has been very positive, and then also re realizing vaccines were given in other countries too, and we've not heard a lot uh, of bad outcomes there as well. So just knowing that it's out there, and you may hear the occasional case um, that is um, definitely not what we want to have happen, but I think it's important to know that it's it's being administered safely, and um, you know as we progress through more and more vaccinations, we'll have uh, more data to show and share that, you know, this, this does work. And, um, you know, we need to do it just to protect not only our loved ones in nursing homes, but also the family and, you know, let us get back to some sense of reality, <laughs> uh, normalcy as soon as possible. Is there one top priority for the vaccine rollout in long-term care facilities and senior facilities that you are watching for that you really want to make sure gets done? Well, I think the highest priority is, as we talked about, um, addressing the confidence of the vaccine. That is 
number one, it does no good to have a vaccine developed if it's um, not administered. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're really putting a lot of our effort is to making sure that, um, you know, we're talking with staff repeatedly about any concerns they have and making sure it's available. I think the, you know, the the pipeline, getting the vaccine to the facilities, that's all going to happen. I think the the supply is going to get ramped up and we're not going to have issues with the vaccine, um, you know, being available. It's just a matter of getting people to realize that it's worthwhile taking and that they're not putting their life at risk doing so. And it's, um, and it's very important. I mean, it's really at this point, it's our only way out, out of this pandemic. So it's crucial that people um, take this vaccine when it's offered. Anything else you'd like to add that I didn't give you a chance to talk about? No, I just, you know, I'd like to end on, you know, it, sharing information is great. I just would encourage people to share, you know, official information and make sure that it's been uh, as vetted as possible from official sources. So um, that we're not sharing any kind of misinformation. But I, I really do. Um, I think that this is a crucial time in the uh, pandemic and that this initial rollout, we, we really need to get over this hump. Um, so when your number comes up, make sure that you do take that vaccine or the vaccination. Eric, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. That was Eric Dowdy, Chief Government Affairs Officer at Leading Age California. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. Civic is underwritten in part by the San Francisco Foundation, which has been acting as a catalyst for change to build strong communities, foster civic leadership, and promote philanthropy in the San Francisco Bay Area since 1948. More at sff.org.